Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. It's December 11th, 2022, Sunday, and we have a great show for you today. I have a new friend joining me on the air. His name's Eliakim Cohen. This guy is amazing. He's one of these um, he's one of these Americans who moved here and just tells it like it is, like almost a, a young Rabbi Kahana. I started following him uh, two weeks ago. And he is just amazing and out there. And um, I wanted to meet him. I, I looked him up. I contacted him and invited him on the show. I don't know that much about this guy. I just know he's from New York. He made Alia in 2010. Um, and he came here. He was young, you know, like not even 30, maybe 29. He was single. Um, and he was raised a secular Jew and not religious, but he changed. He became a Balchuva and became religious later in life. And he'll tell us how that happened. And I guess that's kind of what brought him to Israel. Um, he has a very, very clear, straight way of seeing life. A lot like me and a lot like a lot of our listeners. And I wanted him on because he has things to say and they all need to hear what he has to say. He's inspiring. Eliakim, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, <clears throat> a nice flattering intro. Thank you. Well, you know, don't let me down, okay? I'm from Boston. I'm not from New York. <laughs> That's I, okay. I, although I did make Aliyah from New York. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I I don't claim to be 100 percent accurate, but the gist <laughs> is, you're you're a superstar, and we want to hear what you have to say. And you have some very wise words to share with us. Um, and if you don't mind, why don't you start from what got you uh, interested in, in making Aliyah? Sure. So I um. Uh, like you said, I, I grew up uh, not religious. I, I did have religious uh, grandparents. And Judaism was always a central component of our life, of our family. We just, you know, we didn't basically do the mitzvot. But we were, you know, very proud to be Jewish, always fiercely proud of Israel. So I got into some trouble in my uh, 20s. I was uh, massively into cocaine. And I ended up in a high-speed car chase from 35 Georgia State uh, Patrol cars. And uh, I eluded them for 45 minutes. And, you know, people always joke, was your uh, was your car chase on the TV show Cops? And I said, no, Cops was only a 30-minute uh, show. I was a 45-minute car chase, so they would have needed bonus footage. So it was a busy <laughs> uh, time of life. And I ended up going to jail. And I was facing 15 to 30 years. And uh, thank God I got bailed out. Uh, my parents posted bail for me. And I was in jail originally for uh, basically uh, three nights. And in that time, I realized, you know, I've been doing everything I want in life. I go out and I party. I do drugs. I try to get girls. I mean, I, I live the, you know, sort of the Van Wilder, you know, uh, animal house type lifestyle. And I was miserable and I couldn't understand why, uh, you know, I just kept feeding myself so much pleasure and I was miserable. So I, I said, you know what, why don't we go back to the basics? Let's start looking into the Torah. I started learning with a rabbi and within probably like two weeks, I decided I was going to be observant, started wearing a kippah, went to yeshiva in Muncie, New York, and then another 
you know, strange sort of thing happen that, you know, Israel is just sort of looming on the, you know, in their eyes and everything we do in Judaism is based on the land of Israel. And I Okay, stop. Uh, stop there. Just stop a second because you yeah. covered a lot in, in a very short time. And I, I yeah. just want to go back a little bit because some yeah. people might be listening and who knows, maybe they're in the same situation you, you had been in earlier. Right. Um, okay, so you said you had, you were fiercely strongly Jewish and, um, you, you know, then you were leading this party life. Um, most Jews, and you were similar, you guys were like secular Jews, right? You did like high holidays and stuff, right? Yeah, we could, we considered ourselves traditional. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my mom lit Shabbos candles. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, we did all the holidays. We just, you know, we weren't, we weren't all the way there. Okay. So but what, I guess I, this sounds, I, I'm sorry if I sound naive, but yeah. How how did you get involved in drugs and what kind of what age were you when when all this happened? I mean, the, the high speed car chase is like the the end of that kind right, of like, lifestyle, yeah. you know, so there were that didn't just happen overnight. You, you that you may have been a drug doing drugs for, for 10 years for your whole 20s. For all I know, I don't know. Right, I, was, I was. But there are other things to do. You don't just do drugs. You, you know, maybe you had a job. Maybe you went to the gym. Maybe you had a girlfriend. You have a life as well. I, I would yeah, say. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I went to I started smoking weed in high school and then went to went to college at the University of Georgia, joined the Jewish fraternity. You know, my my family owned uh, baby furniture uh, retail stores. So I basically had a store for myself and my brother had a store. So even in college, I was, you know, commuting back and forth basically every day running the store. And, you know, the university gave me credit and I happened to be doing just an obscene amount of drugs at the same time. There's like highly functioning drug users. And then there then there was me. I mean, it was it was um, I mean, my parents didn't even know that I was doing this for years. So wait, does that mean does that mean you're not a high functioning? I mean, I was extremely high functioning. Ah, ah, okay. okay, Yeah, people did not even know that I was that I was on it. Fine, um, fine. They're right. They're they're high functioning alcoholics, too. Yeah, I mean, I I was just, um, you know, and and I was always a good person. I just got into bad things like I've always had a good heart and always been caring and always like I I always had the quote unquote Yiddish and Neshama. I just. I couldn't direct that to leading a good life. I, I just, I always did what I wanted and I always wanted to party. I always wanted to go out and have fun, quote unquote fun. All right. Well, you were searching. It sounds like you yeah, were it just, you know, it, it, it progressed from, you know, doing it on the weekends to doing it just at nights. And then it was okay. A little bit in the morning, okay. just okay. all day. So, Bye. you know, Bye. it's a very expensive drug. So I started selling it as well. And yeah, I'm a, oh, okay. I, my forte is is business and marketing, so you know, I was able to have good discounts for my clients. <laughs> I mean, everyone liked buying from me because I always had the lowest prices so that I could have the most customers. So. Okay, so so that you so the end the culmination of this was going to jail. You're in jail. Did, was going to jail. Did, did the I rabbi mean, come to you there? No. See, um, a few months before this car chase, my aunt had given me uh, this rabbi's number who grew up with my mom's family in uh, Minneapolis. That's where my mom's from. So three times before this car chase, I called him and he picked up the phone. He he always picks up so happy and he says, hello. And I just, I, I knew that if I started talking to the rabbi that I would 
just be so ashamed of myself and, and, and probably force myself to change. And I wasn't ready. So I hung up on him. Mm-hmm. So then after I went to jail, you know, life basically ended. I lost my car. The lawyer basically told me your life is working for your parents and coming home. You do not have a life at this point. He said, if you get into one even minor uh, infraction in the next you know, X amount of months until your trial, you are totally toast. He said, this is a very serious case. He told me, you're probably going to get five years and you'll probably serve, you know, a year with, you know, different recommendations or whatever. So I, I, I thought I was going to be doing some pretty serious time. So I said, you know what, I have a perfect time in my life to, to try to change. And I did want to change. I didn't like how I was living. It, it didn't sort of mesh with, with who I am internally. And um, my aunt actually became reconnected with him after she was hijacked um, on a TWA uh, flight in 1985 by Hezbollah. Wow. Yeah, it was a famous she, thing. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, so it was a famous uh, flight, the pilot leaning out the window with a gun to his head. They killed a Navy diver. They threw his body on the tarmac. Um, so she she said actually the scariest thing about that flight was that they kept going back and forth from Algiers to Beirut five times. On the last mm. time in Beirut, the landing gear didn't work. So they God. Like an emergency landing. So she I said, I don't believe she was on that flight. That's yeah. So she said, Hashem, if you get me through this, uh, if you get me through this, I'll become Balchuva. And she did. So she, you know, she knew what I was going through. She knew that this rabbi would certainly be able to help me. And she knew how just unbelievably proud I was to be Jewish and how much I loved Israel. Great. And Great. Uh, so, I mean, she was right. After the first meeting with this rabbi, we sat down in the, you know, the Beit Knesset at his synagogue. For an hour and i just walked out of there like feeling like a king like i oh great you know wow that's settled into into reality you know yeah was not reality the life many people are living is not uh okay so we we will get into that and this is great that you were very lucky um that you had that aunt and that she she loved you and i I actually wrote a book i haven't i haven't published it yet but one of the chapters is um Thank you, Hezbollah. <laughs> without oh without hijack, I I don't know if I would be in this uh, position now. So uh, there's well, always things for uh, seemingly uh, terrible things. I guess. I guess you're yeah. lucky. You know, she she saved you. Yeah. Um, for sure. um. All right. All right. So you met with the rabbi, and he made you Balchuva, and you saw the light, and you changed yourself. You changed yourself, is what you did. Yeah, I mean, I went to Yeshiva and he he recommended um, after like three, four months of, you know, starting to keep Shabbos and, you know, starting, you know, I was learning with him every Monday, Kavua, like every single Monday we had our learning and I was basically staying at his house uh, Friday night and usually Saturday night too. And, you know, his, his kids at the time, I think were 11 and 15 and they had bunk beds and I would sleep on the floor and right. I, I felt like, I just felt like I was reborn, you know, I don't yep. like become like twisted but i i really just felt like a new lease on life yeah first time i was truly content i don't want to say happy because there were a lot of times i was happy before but there's a difference between happy and content mm-hmm. and he recommended i go to yeshiva i said rabbi if you you know you tell me to do a backflip off the golden gate bridge I'll, I'll do that too so i went to yeshiva and um you know that's really where where you know it my my love of trying to help other people, uh, you know, especially that were in my situation. Because uh, a lot of these kids at, at the yeshiva, they had just come from, you know, college. They were there for a weekend. Or for- okay, just a second, Yakim. we got to stop real quick. We have a break. We'll come right back, okay? Fantastic. Okay,
Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. One minute of Torah. Why do we suffer? This week we read the Torah portion of Vayeshev and he settled. Rashi comments that just when Jacob asked to settle peacefully at last, the troubles of his son Joseph spring upon him. Says God, it's not enough that righteous people will have peace in the world to come. They want to rest in this world too. What's so terrible about wanting a peaceful life? especially when we're talking about a man of Jacob's caliber. It's obvious that when he asks for a tranquil life, it's not about lounging on his couch eating potato chips, but is in order to be able to focus on spiritual growth to best serve God. The Lubavitch Rebbe explains that the troubles that follow Jacob's request were not a punishment, but an answer. You want to live in true tranquility? That can only happen after true troubles. Keeping close to God through times of suffering refines us and most elevates us. The work we do and the connections we develop through the troubles is what will bring us a life of true peace. And on a national level, after all the persecution our nation has endured, we are definitely ready for the promise of eternal peace with the coming of the righteous Mashiach speedily in our days. Amen. With your Ayn of Torah, this is Chava Zekevich. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk with Elia King Cohen, who was just finishing up how he grew up. And then he found himself in yeshiva on the suggestion and recommendation of his rabbi in Minneapolis. And um, take it away, Elia Kim. Tell us, tell us what happened next. Yeah, so I went to yeshiva at uh, Or Sameach in Mansi. It was a yeshiva specifically for what's called Baal people that are returning to uh to a Torah observance. And I mean, from day one, it was just, you know, it felt like my first day of college again, or first day of summer camp. You're with, you know, I think we had at our peak, we had about 120 kids, anywhere from say 18 to 50. And everyone had their own unique story and family situations and um, just, Absolutely was one of the best 10 month periods of life. Um, you know, keeping Shabbat in my community in Atlanta where I became uh, religious and keeping it with, you know, 120 other kids was just a, a wild experience. And, you know, you're saying kids, but these are not kids, just all you yeah, listeners. Yeah. When he said 18 right, to 30, right. 18 yeah. to 50, he's talking about their ages. You didn't make that clear. So these are people yeah, no. just like you becoming religious later in life. And, yeah, and I this, mean, is, the, the community, this is, go ahead. The community just totally, you know, rallied around this yeshiva. It's, I mean, it's known throughout the world, you know, Or Sameach, Asha Torah. These are two yeshivas that are just known for being able to reach people like I used to be with, with, you know, fun, dynamic rabbis. Right. Um, you know, we did, we did trips. We did, uh, they had guest lecturers. Just, it was always something, I don't want to say fun. I always say meaningful, always something meaningful. And the community, was just fanatical about this yeshiva. I mean, I, I probably got invited out uh, probably 50 different families uh, over the 10 months that I was there, you know, for Shabbos lunch, dinner, inviting us to holiday parties. Right. It was uh, just an unbelievable experience. And my yeah. aunt, the one that was hijacked, she was actually living right down the street from the yeshiva at the time. Hmm. So really, really nice to have a family uh, based there and all my relatives were in New York so I got to see them a lot and okay so so I, I have to just ask you because I yeah. know where where you are now yeah um 
and I know the topic is Aliyah, but if you're in, if there is such a community that's so warm and supportive, uh, why would anyone want to leave? Well, that, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's the story of Jewish history, the, the seeming comfort of different places. And look, I'll be honest. I mean, it is very easy to see why people in Muncie, in Five Towns, in Miami Beach do not want to go. I mean, the, the amount of restaurants, the amount of synagogue. I mean, if you're Tamani, but you have a lean towards this and you you'll find there's a place for you. Right. <laughs> there's just there's so many, so many options and people mm-hmm. love options and everyone loves searching for their home and and, and they found it. And look, uh, like I, I did a Devar tour this week that I thought was probably my most powerful ever. And it was basically uh, this week's Torah portion, uh, Yaakov begs Hashem, save me from my brother, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. So the, you know, the sages say that from the hand of my brother means save me from, you know, when things are good in exile. Save me from when we're invited to the universities and we can go to the sporting events and we're able to mingle at the holiday parties. He says, save me from Esau, meaning save me from the pogroms and the Holocaust. And, but Yaakov said from my brother first and, and Muncie and, and five towns and LA, this is the proof. People get so comfortable generation after generation. They are literally stuck. I mean, people message me all the time, at least a few times a week. Oh, yeah. Okay. My, your post just, it hits so close to, I, I just wish I could come now. So I don't just take that as a, you know, as the answer. I ask, so why can't you come? Mm-hmm. Why can't you come? And it's the same, you know, yep. excuse every time. It's yep. the same level of, and in the end, I t- tell them, you just, you live a very comfortable life, don't you? Yes. It's mm. it, it's hard in your head to want to wanna leave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I saw this with every family that I was at. They all had very nice homes. Muncie's a very wealthy community in parts. Um, they have you know, 10 different, you know, all 10 different kids are in their special yeshiva. You know, this one's good. Yeah. You know, with, yeah. this one's great with his hands. So this is a more hands-on, you know, he, he can build stuff. And it, it's just, they have so many options. The thought of ever leaving that is not even a thought. Is the, is, that's right. I mean, that's just the reality. And I really saw that up close. That was really a plus for me being at this yeshiva was seeing how people just sort of sink into this quicksand of, of, uh, safeness. And, yeah. And, yeah. and, um, isn't that interesting? Don't you find that interesting? I mean, it's a place for Batshuvas. It's a place to get people closer to Torah, but Israel is not the goal. Yeah. I mean, look, this yeshiva was, I mean, they, if you did want to go to Israel, they would help you, but they really liked the people that would go to the next step up which is basically like shor yoshev in uh far Rockaway. that was where a lot of the orsameh kids that got more serious went and you know i i'm listening to this <laughs> you know going from muncie to far Rockaway, like what, what's what's the difference it's like, right it's you're, like you're, ridiculous you're, you're it's like down the street just, <laughs> you're, still just, you're still just treading water like right right go go to the you know go to the beach go to israel that that's 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 the icker of where we're supposed to be yeah. And, you know, every month that went by, I, I started, you know, as I'm learning more and more, and literally every single thing that we're learning revolves around Israel. 
it, it just to the point where it was just a no brainer. It's and- bizarre, though. Don't you find that bizarre that you found that, but so many of them don't? I, how do how do they not see that? I I don't understand what 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 can how, I mean like how are you so all powerful or how am I so all powerful? How are the few how are the four thousand Jews from North America who come every year? How are we so all powerful? We can't be. Yeah, I mean it's um, look. I think a lot of it is just um, it is it, it ends up breaking down to really what are the values that you want to you know live by if and i'm going to say it if, if money is such a factor in life then you know then you're you're, you're probably always going to be stuck i mean if you need to get that lexus because your neighbor you know just got the bmw then you're you know israel's the least of your problems you're <laughs> right. virtually, you know just entangled that mm. I mean, that's how i used to be i i had a bmw I bought a, you know, $250,000 townhome. I was 20. I mean, this, this specific townhome was in Atlanta. If this was in New York, it would have been like $2 million. I mean, it was a beautiful three-story place, brand new. Mainly I did it to impress my friends. Like I liked when people come over and they saw, wow, you're, you know, Jeffrey, you're doing so well. You got that BMW. Wow. What a cool kid. I mean, I live that. So, I, so when people tell me this, they, they're not like getting anything by me. I, I was literally exactly like they are only worse i mean you know i i i had to shine my my tires so that when i drove to like going out one night people would the the car would be even more noticeable and people would think i'm you know doing great in life and i'm rich and i mean it's what a terrible way to live okay well listen oh yeah people live like that everywhere they live like that in israel too for sure for sure i i mean but but at least they're here like yeah yeah at least they've gotten half the way Look, it's a terrible way to live, period. Yeah. You know, the, the comforts of America, Jews have never lived in comfort like this. Okay, though, okay, you're talking about material comforts. Now, right. not everybody, not everyone is wealthy. Not every Jew in America is right. living that well. Um, right. there, there are other things that are comfortable for them. And there are other things oh, that sure. are holding them back. No, but like the, the communities that I was in, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I lived in Atlanta. When I, like since I've become religious, I've lived in Atlanta. I lived in Muncie. And I've lived in five towns. Those are all three very well off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's parts of the of every community that. So that for sure they don't want to leave. For sure they don't want to leave. They probably come to Israel for vacation and that's it. When I was living in five towns, I basically, I think it was right, right after I served my. Um, so basically January 2008 was when I had the car chase. My court case, uh, I didn't go to court until. October of 2009. So it was, mm. it was almost two years of being out on bail. And basically, I, I didn't I didn't plan for Israel because it was like a pipe dream at the time. I, I didn't even like I couldn't even really leave New York without alerting the courts in Atlanta. So, I mean, the thought of going to Israel was just it wasn't even something I even wrapped my head or I wanted to. But I, you know, it wasn't a reality. Once my court case ended, I, I got a few rabbis to write a letter to the court saying that, you know, it would be very helpful if he was in Israel and, you know, we'll make sure that he's, you know, uh, keeping up with the courts and everything. So they actually let me, they gave me permission to, to fly to Israel. And for the, I think it was two years that I was, uh, basically on probation every month. They had to check in. Anytime. Okay, why, wait, wait, why, why are you telling me this? Where, what, what, 
what uh-huh. um how did this why, why are you telling me this what does this have to do with uh the the people who don't want to come because it's just so much easier they don't have to even deal with such a hurdle is is that why you're telling me i don't remember i don't know no i was saying because because when i was living in five towns like the thought of going to israel wasn't even a reality to me once my mm-hmm. uh thing was over and i was given permission i was like i'm telling everybody i'm on the next flight you're I, flying you were flying out of here yeah, yeah you're like flying I, out I of there a minute later Every well you know you make a very you you raise a very good point i don't think it was intentional but you know, there are times where there might be barriers to coming to Israel. And if you don't have those barriers, you should take every, uh, you know, moment and, and get here. Look at um, the last two years. You had it. Yeah. Corona. Times, exactly. There were literally exactly. times right. where the gates of Israel were not just shut to, to, you know, to Jews abroad. Even Israelis couldn't get back. I, I don't- know. Okay. We hold that thought. We're going to be back. This is our last break. And then we'll be able to talk forever. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. wintertime and many of us spend the day indoors. The air we breathe can be filled with pollutants coming from cleaning products, building materials, paint, dust, pollen, and even carbon dioxide, causing a variety of health issues from reduced energy levels to headaches, fatigue, nausea, dizziness, respiratory, or even skin irritation. An Israeli company called Sensibo is working on an indoor air quality monitor that detects high levels of indoor pollutants. The product also tracks humidity, which may indicate that most Mold is present. The product calculates an aggregated air quality score for pollution levels and the overall indoor air quality, even issuing alerts if there's a rise in air quality issues. Could help you breathe easier and stay healthy. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Aiello. Shalom, this is Nadia Matar from the Sovereignty Movement. At a time when there is so much disinformation, you have to know who to listen to to know what really is going on in Israel. Israel News Talk Radio is a radio where you can know that what you hear is the truth. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk today with Elia Kim Cohen, who was just telling us his adventures um, from the United States to Israel. We, had, we haven't even gotten there yet. He's still telling us when he was in the five towns and he was learning in Muncie at, um, at Orsameach, right? And uh, he had two years of being on bail, out on bail, and he was just telling us now, telling me off, off the air, actually, that he was just about finishing up that period and he wanted to go to Israel. And what were your friends and your relatives telling you? Yeah, I mean, as soon as I got the permission to to leave, I booked, this was uh, this was in November, I booked a ticket for uh, February 16th. And for the next, basically, three months, every single person that I met in the five town, I mean, 
They, I mean, they were happy for me, but they thought it was crazy. Why would you leave the five towns? You live amazing here. You know, I, I, I had my set. I did Bagel Delight in the morning. I did Carlos and Gabby's for lunch. And then I did Walk Tove the Chinese for dinner. I mean, I literally did this every single day for about the nine months that I was living with my cousin. What, is, what, what do you mean? Explain what you're saying to me. I, I don't know I, what that is. I just, there, there's so many kosher restaurants and I, you know, I had my bagel place. I had oh, my okay. finger okay. place and then I had my Chinese food for dinner basically every day. And, you know, the whole community, they're, they're extremely wealthy. Everyone's going out for dinner. They have, it's called Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. I mean, it's just a wonderful place. Anything you can think of, any kind of shul, you know, synagogue you want to go to. They do have a very comfortable life there. Yeah. So they were saying to you, why would you leave? You're, you're, you're done your whole cannot... you're done with your whole uh, problems with, with jail or whatever. Right. Why would you leave? Now you're right. free. They, That's what they thought. They, they thought this fathom. was freedom. They thought that was freedom. Right. They could not fathom why I would leave yeah. the community. And yeah. look, I, I loved it there. I mean, I, I really like being with my cousins and it was really nice to like meet new family members. But there's a. I mean, if you're really tuned into Judaism, there is a, an emptiness in the heart and for sure in the soul if you're living outside the land. I mean, that's just a fact. And if you if you don't, most people feel it. Most people will admit, look, I, I want to get to Israel at some point. If you don't even have that feeling, I mean, you're you're just so far gone. And, and like we were talking about off air, I don't even know what Torah you're learning because the the Torah and Israel are, I mean, they're, you know, they're like a lock and a key. They're they're so intertwined. I mean, you, you can't have one without the other. You yeah. can't have Israel without Torah, and you can't have, you know, Torah without it. It just it made no sense watching these people live, and you know, they would, you know, they'd send yes. their <laughs> to Israel to whatever their favorite yeshiva was. Obviously, their kids, you know, their eighteen-year-old sons and daughters would go to there. You know, whatever yeshiva, you know, that they wanted to go to in Jerusalem or wherever it was. And they come home. Some of them got the urge they would stay. Thank God. I had, there's a lot of my cousin's uh, uh, friends, kids that are now here. Um, but the majority, they go, they come back. And the right. ever leaving their little uh, Dalai Lama in exile is just, it's the farthest thing from their mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Right Look, now, some people, some people just can't leave now, whether it's a med, you know, I have one friend medically, he literally just can't go. I mean, he, he has just a million dollars worth of medicine that he takes every year and, and he, he can't get that care. I mean, if he came here, he, he would literally die within a month until he's able to know for sure that. He, so th- there are cases where it. But there's so few and far between. I mean, we're correct. Talking- let's let's talk about the majority of people. Right. Yeah, no, the majority of people can come. But they're being held back by a few different excuses, reasons, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, and some... look, the, <laughs> m- money is always number one. I can't find a job in Israel. Like, like we're all jobless here. Like, the whole country is <laughs> job in Israel. There's not one person in Israel that's holding down a, you know, a job. Everyone is is just homeless. Poor, Poor and homeless. Yep. Suffering. Yeah. The other one is, um, you know, I can't leave my my family. Oh, really? I left my family. Every single one of my friends left their family. That's right. You can't leave your family. You might not I want used to, to say to my parents, do you think I'm the only one who left? Do you think I'm the only American in Israel? Yeah, and you know what? Look, my, <laughs> my parents are absolutely... The, the first thing they say when they tell their 
like, you know, when they meet a new couple or something and, oh yeah, you know, and our middle son, he lives, I mean, they're so proud, even if, I mean, I'm extremely close with my parents. I talk to them multiple times a day, especially, you know, because I, you know, we have a two-year-old son, Brooke Shem, and I mean, my mom, especially on the phone, you know, five, six times a day. They're so proud that I'm here. I mean, it, it touches something in their neshama. You don't, you don't have to be around your family, you know, 24 hours a day to give them, you know, to give them nachas, to give them, uh, to That's give them. Right. Very well. You very know, good point. Very good. Knowing point. that I'm here living my dream is makes that their dream. Mm-hmm. Parents want their kids to be at their most fulfilled. If it's, right. you know, on the moon, then my mom would tell me, go to the moon. I, I right. mean, it, that that's something I don't think a lot of people think about. They no, don't. You know, my I, I can't leave because, you know, I go to my parents for Shabbos, you know, two times a month. Your parents won't care if you're in Israel and they know that you're happy. Interesting. You, you know, nobody says these things, but they're they're, they're excuses and they're they're almost like uh, chains that are that are holding people back. But security, they, you know, it's just security. Yeah. Are there are people that are afraid. I mean, you have to understand people are afraid of lots of things in life. People are afraid to leave their job. People are afraid to leave their husband. People are afraid to move. And, and so moving to a new country and starting all over after they've built themselves up is very frightening. Right. Right. Look, you know, one thing you hear about it, Israel's too dangerous. Well, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever been to the south side of Chicago or, you know, parts of Brooklyn. But I mean that that's also just such a ridiculous. It's just yeah, a, that's a, that's a, that's not a claim I hear too much these days. I, not I, not in the world today. Oh, and, and you want to know why? So so like Hashem, I always say Hashem has a great sense of humor. So as you know, people are talking about stuff like that. It just came out that Israel's the fifth fifth safest country for tourists in America. Right. So I mean, it's like things like this that if people you know they get something in their head like oh there's terror attacks so it's, it's dangerous. If you Everything in life is, I just listened to a great Torah lecture today. They said, sometimes Hashem is just blatantly like in your face and, and you can just feel he's there. Other times he's a little more hidden. You need to find him. You need to, you need to seek Hashem. Hashem's seal is truth. Sometimes you need to find what the truth is. You know, you, you might, you might hear something on the radio or read something in the paper. That's not necessarily the truth. You need to dig a little deeper. So if, you know, if people would do that with with coming to Israel, they'd see things like, you know, I don't know what people pay for health insurance in America, but it's infinitely more than you than you pay here. I mean, mm-hmm. my has cancer. She has stage four cancer. She had mm-hmm. probably a, you know, three to four hundred thousand uh, dollar surgery and hospital stay. I, I think we paid like 50 shekels, like fifteen dollars, something like right. that. Right. I mean, she had a 20 hour surgery to remove a 20 out, a 20 centimeter uh, tumor on her on her uh, liver. I am. Mm. We lived in America. We would be broke for for fifty generations trying to right. to pay this off. Here we have, you know, universal uh, healthcare and the option to do private. So yes, now there are people who do this uh, balance who who do actually say it is more affordable to move to Israel, and and sometimes that is what brings them over here. I don't love that reason, you know. Look, I think, um, but it works fine, sometimes. You know, whatever their hangup is. Like, just start there and dig deeper. And they'll see that, okay, I found an answer for this. I'm sure all of my other, you know, things I'll find an answer for. Yeah, you're you're talking, but you, you have to remember, I told you this on the phone. You came alone. You came single. It's much, much easier. Right. Um, you have an Israeli wife now. I, I guess you have an Israeli family. 
it's it's very different when you're a, when you're a, and I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here. Okay, just this is not what I really I'm not uh, taking a side, but these people who aren't coming, these majority of Jews, these six million American Jews, I think, are right. in North America. Yeah. They're not coming because they are in their golden Medina. Okay, they are like what Germany was before the Holocaust. They've built up. I mean, have you seen some of these synagogues? Yes, you've been to Lawrence, New York. You see the way these people live. They are on a permanent vacation. Okay, they are in like Jew heaven. Their friends are Jewish. The bar mitzvahs are more elaborate than anything I've ever seen. They have, you know, rabbis to choose from, like you said, different yeshivas to choose from. It's 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 a little sickening, you know, it's there. I don't know what they're deluded. They're not in Israel. That's what I understand. They're not in Israel. Why? Why are they putting so much into New York? It's not Israel. There's nothing holy there. There is nothing holy. Right. Every time I go to um, every time I I used to fly back to see my family every like maybe three, four months before I got married. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd spend a uh, night or two or Shabbos and Muncie. And I, you know, my aunt would drive me around the town. I mean, the level of construction that they're doing there is just obscene. Brooklyn, uh, five towns. I mean, a new yeshiva, a new synagogue, a new restaurant, a new mikvah every you know, 10 seconds. It's like It's like killing me to hear this. I got to tell you, it's like, it, it's, yeah, painful. I mean, look, it's painful. It's painful because it, it, I, I, it's, it's killing me to hear it. Like, stop, because I, it, it hurts. It hurts. It really no, does. There's, there's no... <laughs> There's nothing unique about this in Jewish history. Look, I think it was in the 1200s, Worms, Germany. Uh, Jews in Israel sent a letter to them saying, you know, things are like going to get bad. Like, you know, come. And it's actually a, it's a famous letter. You can read it. It says, you stay in your Jerusalem and we're going to stay here in our Jerusalem. Oh, God. The history of Worms, Germany. Ugh. It was um, it was persecuted like at such a greater extent than even the rest of Germany and everyone traces it back to this letter and every single community, you know, they said the same thing in Poland, Poland in the 1600s was, was amazing. You know, Germany, France, they've all had their golden age. America is, is on now the decline of the golden age. Everybody feels it. There's nobody that thinks that, that America's on a good track. And some people, I mean, I have a lot of friends that live in Brooklyn, and they live in Manhattan that have just moved to Miami Beach because they think, you know what, I'm going to move from a terrible, you know, you know, liberal run, just very anti-Torah ideals state to Florida. So I always tell them, well, what, like, <laughs> why do you keep adding steps? Well, <laughs> right, 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 right. You, you said something earlier. I want you to maybe talk about it a little bit about the Parsha and about the hand of the brother. Right. Um, you said it very quickly and I read it earlier a few days ago so i do remember and it was very very tricky what you wrote and it's very very tricky how it works and i want you to talk about that a little bit because um all right so there's a there's a fascinating analogy that the rabbis use about the wind and the sun they had a they had an argument who was stronger so they said if we can make this whoever can make this guy lose his hat and his coat will be the, you know, will prove that he's stronger. So the wind blows and blows and blows and it gets cold and frigid. And this guy is grabbing onto his hat and to his coat, like for dear life. The wind mm-hmm. budge him. The sun says, step aside, let me let me do it now. The sun started out, it was very nice and tranquil, got a little bit hotter, got a little bit hotter. 
All of a sudden, the guy throws his hat off, throws his jacket off, and the son smirks and says, you know, that's how you do it. This is basically the analogy that, that, um, that I can't remember, might have been the Khatam Sofer uses to sort of illustrate what Jews are like in exile. The hand of my brother and the hand of Esau are two different things. The hand of my brother is the son. It is, come on, come to the universities, like I said. Come to the holiday party. We even will get kosher food catered. Don't even worry. Come, you know, you got to meet my wife, Christy, and, you know, all these different things. Life is so good. You know, we can now join the Christian country clubs and everything's hunky door. It's comfort. It's comfort. Comfort. And you know what happens? You know what happens? The guys take, start taking off their hats, which is Judaism. They start taking off their coats, which is, you know, Torah observance. And all of a sudden, a guy from, you know, a rabbinic family in Europe is now intermarried, you know, living in uh, somewhere in L.A., has, you know, zero Jewish children, zero Jewish grandchildren. And turns against Israel. And turns against Israel. You see yeah. it all the time. That is Miyad uh, Achi. That is save me from my brother. Jacob, Yaakov, put that first because that's what terrified him the most. Not the Holocaust, not the pogroms, not the Inquisition. Those are things that made Jews so like fiercely proud. Th that was the wind. Those were the Jews in the wind. Mm -hmm. Lost a few. But Jews were grabbing so hard to their Judaism. They were, were clinging to God. They were praying to God. They knew that they were Jewish and they always wanted to be Jewish. Okay, so arguably um, that is happening now. There's a rise of anti-Semitism in the world. And as you were saying earlier, these communities in America are very, very Jewish. Many yeshivot, tons of kosher restaurants, everyone's davening. You can get your shade hole done and dried and fixed on the streets. It's all you ever want is, is fair. It's very Jewish, some of these places. But the scariest um, thing about now is that now we're now we're we're basically in Miyad uh, Achi. We're basically in the hand of the brother. But the hand of Esau is now starting to not. We're going to get both. I mean, mm -hmm. really what this what this uh, what this proportion is about is, you know, we vacillate in Jewish history between the two. But, you know, basically every rabbi will tell you, you know, we're sort of at the end of days here. I mean, if you don't feel it, then I mean, you're sort of just I mean, there, there are two there are two challenges is what you're saying with this Parsha. And, and I think two, this... there's two challenges and we're seeing them both now, you know, yeah. leaving New York to go to Miami because in New York, they're starting to experience they, they had the the hand of the brother. Now they're starting to experience, you know, the hand of uh, of Asaph at the same time. So where are they right. going? A lot of them are going to Miami, where they still have just the hand of the brother. There's not so much anti-Semitism in Miami right now. You know, things are very good. L.A., yeah. although not so much. In, there's a little bit. But Brooklyn, I mean, I don't know if you just saw the stat, but over 60 percent of the of the um, physical violence that they deem hate crimes were against Jews in November. I, you know, I used to have a, a, a big website. I used to get 500,000 people a day. I, I posted a lot of articles showing CCTV footage from New York. I mean, the black community in Brooklyn is, is just terrorizing religious Jews. I mean, they're pushing kids off bikes there. I mean, yeah. but but th this is something that you can see. I mean, it, it's it's becoming a big problem. You have people like Kanye West and, you, you know, you, you have media personalities now that uh, they yeah. can't even hide it anymore. I mean, Kanye right literally just said 
Jews will not be able to have jobs in his if he's president, they, but they will be able to work for Christians. I mean, you wouldn't even dream of saying that five years ago. Now it's I mean, you know, he's wealthy enough that he doesn't care if he loses sponsors and, and people believe it. I mean, there's signs being hung in highways in, in L.A. and in New York that Kanye is right. I mean, it, what, what should terrify Jews now is that Hashem is going to show you both hands, you know, both mostly in every single part of Jewish history. One hand has merged into the other, like, you know, Germany for the Jews. There was always anti-Semitism, but they also uh, lived great lives. They also got to the top of the army and the top of the universities. And then, boom, there was the Holocaust. Same thing, in, you know, 1400 Spain. Same things in uh, Poland. Poland, Jews in yeah. the 1600s. The Polish king loved the Jews. He, he knew that he was going to be blessed if he was treated the Jews well. Okay, well, the guy that came after him didn't really care That's about right. it. It just so. takes one. It just takes one guy to to change it all around. It takes one guy, and, and people, that anti-Semitism's always bubbling under the surface. So everyone is just more than happy to jump in. Right, and and I mean, the what should if, if you're listening to this right now, do a little bit of research on what I'm saying because now we're uh, we're, we're getting both. We're getting both. I mean, if if you look at this week's last uh, parsha, it says. Uh, well, Yegiyah is Gematria Hanukkah, and Yechaf Yerecho is Gematria Purim. That last week's Parsha is is literally Hanukkah and Purim uh, together. Hanukkah, we were threatened spiritually, but we fought a war. Purim, we were threatened physically, and we responded spiritually. You know, we fasted, we daven to right. Hashem. We're, we're getting both of these at the same time now. That's That should be the scary part for people listening to this. You know, yes, in, in your little community, it might be idyllic. But for Jews as a whole, you know, we're, we're still able to hold the high positions and to, you know, and to be the professors at the universities and to, you know, own the media outlets or, you know, whatever you want to say. But we're also experiencing some pretty vicious anti-Semitism. I mean, Islamic immigration into Europe is is devastating Jewish communities. Uh, I mean, Jews are fleeing Malmo, uh, Sweden. Uh, if you look, I have a friend in Germany, what he's telling me what's going on in Germany, you know, they, they took in like 4 million, basically 20 year old mayor refugees. Things are getting bad. And, and like we were talking about the other day, uh, we, I talked about tomorrow too. Like you never want to say to people, Oh, it's going to get so bad. Like, it's going to be dangerous. Don't come here. Cause it's going to be dangerous, but also don't be so dumb that you can't. <laughs> right. Honestly, where, where this well, is but going. They, but listen, the people are putting their heads in the sand because it's very scary. Um, and they don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. Right. But some, some other people are just saying, no, it's not bad. No, it's not going to get Yeah, bad. sure they are. Sure they are. If, if, if you go to Yad Vashem and, and what I love about Yad Vashem is, is the first part that you go into, it shows like newspaper clippings from the thirties and, and it shows, you know, interviews with people saying, yeah, you know, we thought it was a rough patch. We thought it was a this, we thought it was a that mm-hmm. dream. I mean, like hundreds of interviews with, you know, with, with people that were saying the same thing. We didn't Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Right. Why didn't you leave? We didn't dream it would be this bad. No, your father owned a factory. We come it, it look, it's the same story. It's like it, at this point it's 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 almost comical how tra- how tragic it is. It's like Yeah. I mean, one I, thing I, it's just uh, like one thing leads to another. People become um crazy with power. I mean, it really isn't that hard to imagine because a year ago, people could not come and go in their own country. I remember talking to tomorrow i wanted to go see my parents and she even said natalie you know if you leave israel you might not be able to come back and yeah, um I mean, it was happening people were stranded you know the world was going crazy israel really, included you know I, 
what when when Israel shut down, I mean, look for for people that needed to be buried here or whatever. Yes, that was you know that that was awful. But a part of me was was really smirking because I've always told people, you don't know that Israel is going to be available to you. Israel is a living, breathing uh, entity. It's got a spiritual life to itself. You don't just get to say, "I'm moving to Israel." Like it's a known thing. Israel. When it's good. When it's good for me. Right. Like Israel needs to accept you. You can't just come and say, yeah, if, if what does it say? Israel is a land that vomits out its inhabitants. If really? they want you for one very good point. Excellent you, point. You you're, you're making a very good point. I, 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 can I just say something? You're very good point. Yeah. There are people who write to me and they, they it's very, I, I didn't really know how to put my finger on it, but you just did. There are people who write to me who say, we are looking for this kind of community and that kind of community. We like to do this. We like to do that. I feel like saying to these people, who cares what you like? It's not right. about you. Right. What do you have to give? Have you mentioned what you have to offer? Exactly. Stop taking. It's not a time to take. Israel right. is a young country. There are many communities that are young and starting out. It is not just a place to come and plop down your money and say, oh, here we are. Please entertain me. It's not yeah, like I mean, that. I remember I was when I was living in Hebron, um, uh, a really nice guy from the community came over and we were chatting and uh, he, he unfortunately also had cancer. And, you know, he was getting we were had a like, really deep discussion. And he said to me, he's like, you know, it's really amazing that you're here and, and you know, you're you're basically starting your journey in Israel and Hebron. I mean, there's no better place to do it. And he said, you know, I, 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 I never like hearing when people say, you know, they go back to America or Europe, wherever they are. How would you like Israel? He said it's literally it's it's the worst question you can ask because the actual question spiritually is how did israel like you and i i tell people this not to shame them Isn't that funny? if you keep coming here and you keep having like a great time but you but you're not moving here it it might it, it might be israel just sort of like blocking your ability to be here and i know it's a i can't really get into the whole it's a deep thought, but there there is tons of Jewish sources uh, behind this. Israel vomits out its inhabitants. I mean that that's literally in Tanakh. That's right in the Bible. So um, you know, if 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 you come here twice a year and whatever, Israel might not be ready to have you. It might not be ready to accept you or want you or think that you you know to be here. have anything to offer uh, the country. Like you just said, <clears throat> it, it's it's. A, thought but it's something people need to to think about you want to be accepted uh i mean yeah yeah you have to come here you have to be you have to be willing to work and you should want to um and it's you know people have different attitudes you know not everybody's like you and um i don't know what to tell you some people it's just very funny when they say to me we like to do this we like to do shireen we're in our mid 50s and we are english speakers what we are dati lumi and, and i'm like who can't right. what are you matchmaking here are you kidding right. me <laughs> no but you know but it, but an interesting thing is sort of piggybacking on that but you know it it, it basically says that, that there is a chalik for every every jew can find their their place here i mean yep yep it, it, it is it, it's like ridiculous hearing them say that but in yeah. reality they they can find it if they sure act. Oh yeah, and I say yeah. this isn't good, but these places are good for you, and right. that, and, I, and then I'm done with that. But it's just the attitude is no, the attitude, the, is, the attitude. Is, I don't even know how to describe it. Is exactly right. what you said. It's like they are. No, it's we a should, little bit. Like, we should be honored. We should be honored that you're coming. 
right. after no, it's a, being it's a little yeah. bit arrogant to think yeah. that yeah. you know that that Israel has to roll out your specific shade of <laughs> Right, but, right, but, right. but the reality is that Israel will I mean, and and will and it can it, it keeps will. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, look, I'll I'll tell you, I've I've lived in probably three of the most powerful places in Israel. I've lived in Hebron, I've lived in Shiloh, where the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, was, and I've lived in Jerusalem. You, I mean, that's literally the crux of Jewish history, right there. Right. I live in Netanya now, uh, right right by the sea. We have a sea view from our patio. I've never been happier living in a certain place uh, in my entire life. Sometimes you you need to just sort of uh, like you know meander through Israel. To that's right. That's right. You should come here place, and just like, find your place. You're not going to find it on the internet, and you're not going to find it yeah. by doing little trips. You, you're going to find it here. I, I, you know, and I always tell people, like we said earlier about how I came here single, I always tell people, but you know, people that are single and that are young, come, don't even think, get on the plane, get here, make Aliyah. Make your way. Yeah. Because what's going to happen, the Yetzirah, you will find a wife in America and then her father will get you the good job at the law. And then you'll be stuck like six million other, you know, five, whatever it is, five million other people. So it, it, you're right. It is easier to make to make Aliyah when you're single. And I, yeah. I always tell people, just come. Don't even. And, and what we're talking about, you know, trying to find jobs and stuff like that. Every single one of my friends in Shiloh, to a T, every single one is doing something almost polar opposite what they came here thinking they were doing. One was a lawyer. Now he's a tour guide. One, another lawyer. Now he's the one of the principals of, a, you know, sort of like a high school Israel uh type thing one has his own uh charitable foundation i mean just you know people have these these impressions in life like i need to do this to be happy i must be a doctor i must no i mean i'm i'm about two weeks away from buying a bar little bar cafe right on the water uh that my wife and i are gonna uh own and we're gonna build it up you know through my social media fund i didn't come here think i was gonna own a bar or a but you know what? I've never looked forward to anything more in my entire life. You just correct. You're right. It's uh, it, you're right, and and it's very attitude. It, it's attitude. It find meaning. Israel will 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 give you even more meaning. You'll things work out here. Everyone yeah. else says it. It's like things just work out. Yeah. It might be how you ever dreamed or planned, and that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. Like it, it's it's hard to explain it, but the people that are here. We'll all tell you the same thing. Like every single person I talk to that made Aliyah will basically, they might not be able to, you know, say it as strongly as I, but everyone says the same thing. We came here, we, you know, we were nervous or we were scared or we were apprehensive or we we didn't know about this. Or we thought we were going to be in this community. And then just all of a sudden, boom, they're living up in the Golan Heights and they're perfectly happy and they have a farm or they're, you know, they're living in. That's Utah. right. It's, it, things do work out because it's a series. It's a series of decisions. Once you're here, you know, opportunities arise, right? Your eyes are open and you move forward. You just move forward. I think you're absolutely right. Come when you're single. If you can come when you're single and don't wait. Um, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. And it just makes everything, then everything that's going to happen to you will happen here. The job, the wife, the problems, the successes will happen here. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the difference. Just get here. 
You know, if, if you if you move to Florida, everything's going to happen in Florida. If you move to Israel, everything's going to happen in Israel. And that's where things should happen. That's where that's where you should grow and that's where you should develop. Yeah, I mean, um, look, I feel so bad. I, I just have, there's like literally dozens of people that message me on Facebook all the time asking for advice. Don't or, feel bad. Whatever you're doing is working because if they're reaching out to you, that means they're reading you and you're touching them. So no, keep no, it up. I'm saying like, I, I feel bad that people just say like, I just feel so stuck. Like, where do I start? I said, get a plane ticket. Yeah. For a few weeks. And just, you know, maybe you just won't go back. You know, right. you'll just be right. going back to sell your apartment, to clear out some, like, just come. People yeah. just need to get here. Yeah. Get here with the right mentality and with, with the thought in your head that I do want to be here and let's just see how it goes. You know, Hashem has a way of, of working things out and fixing things and, you know, enlightening uh, you know, enlightening you. And um, that that's just how a lot of people get here. It's just, you know, a spontaneous decision, but you just have to be here. Nothing can happen from, you know, you, you, like you said, you, you can't, you click on Wikipedia and go, I want to look for a Moshav, you know, near Route 4. I think there, I think we're out of time. Eliakim, thank you. And everyone who listened to us, please be in touch. Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. If you have any questions for me, if you have any questions for Ayakim, I'll pass them on. Thank you so much. Very inspiring. And yeah, you just need to get here, people. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.